eyes like Benny White. You're the only thing, sugar, that I see tonight. Touching of a soul. What's going on, everybody? This is it. This is the 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 New Year's 2021 spectacular. This is it. Happy Happy New Year, Julia. Happy New Year, uh, FCB fam. Eight thousand. What's going on, everybody? Unfortunately, we we lost Betty White today. So I had to start with that. That was not the, the intended plan. But the universe shows its cards in a, uh, you know, in a weird way sometimes. And we don't know what it all means. But uh, through this, it was kind of strange with uh, Betty passing and, and me doing this podcast. And I started the, the first podcast uh, on this three-episode series dedicating it to... Uh, to, to to Ted Gardner, you know, and he's the manager and co-founder of Lollapalooza, and uh, and now I'm going to dedicate it to, to Betty White, and uh, if you guys have been listening to the shows, the last three, you know, our last two episodes, I've just been vaguely telling you guys my adventures of uh, being a groupie and kind of, uh, you know, having that Cameron Crowe experience when I was younger, and uh, and if you've listened to the show before, I got to the point where I was up on stage with my favorite band in the whole world, Porno for Pyros, and uh, I couldn't play an instrument, and I didn't know what to do, and I just felt like I was wasting my time, so I stopped going to concerts for a little little bit, and then I just started to learn how to play instruments and write melodies and write songs and. That was probably my third song that I seriously sat down and wrote. It was called Eyes Like Betty White. I'm in a band called Hurt in the Heartbeat. 
We'll be getting back together January 8th if, if all is still okay with the pandemic. So I'm stoked to see my friends and the new year. Uh, hopefully we can come and see you guys and all that shit. But my point is, instead of being a groupie, you know, I, I was at the point in my life where I was like being this groupie where I was like just looking at other people play instruments and looking at other people do shit. And I'm never one to just sit back and watch. I want to I wanna be part of it. So in saying that, that's why I started the episode off with Eyes Like Betty White. And truly when I wrote the song, it was probably eight years ago. And I wanted to... I really thought that if I, if I keep playing it all the time, like she would live forever. But uh, we all know that nothing lasts forever. So, anyways... Praise to, to, you know, Betty and her family, and uh, may we all live to be 99 years old. And who knows, her spirit could still be flying around here right now, right? She could still be technically here. We don't know where Betty's at. What's going on? Happy New Year, Brian. Happy New Year, medicated masochist. What's going on? This is the New Year's special. This is the New Year's special. We're gonna, we're gonna kick it up a notch. We're gonna do some crazy shit. I don't know what, but we're gonna have fun. That's what life's about, right? Having fun. But I think that's a, that's what Betty kind of showed us. Like, have fun, cause it doesn't last forever, you know. And we think that it will. It's never going to. Let me tell you, like this feather, it's never gonna last forever, you know. So enjoy your life, enjoy every day that you wake up and the aliens have not come and take us away and made us their slaves on a different planet mining for gold. Just be happy. That's why I shouldn't have kids, by the way, because I would be telling them shit like that and they couldn't sleep at night. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't sleep at night. But anyways, let me tell you what uh, I got going on for this show. I'm going to be talking about you know, the wrapping up the series of the three-part episode with like Lollapalooza and, you know, uh, the members of all the bands and what they're doing 30 years later and what it's it's morphed into and, and what effects it's had on the multiverse and what does it all mean. And then when we get close to the countdown, uh, I'm going to, you know, just stop for a while and then we're going to do some countdown. And I know it's already... Uh, Midnight, where you guys are at, and way past in London, Julia, and I don't know where you are, uh, medicated masochist, but uh, where I'm at, Southern California, and it is uh, 11:15, so we got exactly 45 minutes, and I'm gonna be celebrating the new year. I don't know what. I have no idea. We will see, but it should be fun. So, you guys have any New Year's resolutions? Any any of that crap? You know, I uh, my guitar teacher, he, he always told me, he's like, write like a list of the things that you want to accomplish for the next year, at, at the end of the year. I haven't quite done that yet. No, no, I haven't done it yet. And it, it changes. But uh, I think some of my New Year's resolutions is, is really uh, trying to get out into uh, the world <laughs> and seeing people more. I love this. 
Are you, uh, this is a, a comment I got. This is I'm on Instagram Live for the people that are listening to the audio version of this. Uh, and I appreciate everybody that does. I've been seeing a lot of new followers that have been coming on and listening, and I appreciate you all. This has been a year of What Does It Mean podcast. Uh, I think um, in about 20 days will be the uh, actual anniversary, and I can't believe that, that it's lasted this long. And I got to meet so many new friends and new people and uh, old friends. And uh, here's another cat that's making knives and daggers. I'll give them a shout out. Um, and Brian, of course, uh, damn, I can't say it, like, damn, Damaska2545, the question is, are you interested in buying uh, damn Akos products like knives, daggers, uh, axes, and, and swords? I really am, but if you look at the hat that I'm wearing, I'm, I, I don't think it's legal for me to wear a sword right now. I don't think anybody in the universe would allow me a sword, but eventually I would like two scimitars. If you were into um, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Driss Der Uden is like my favorite character. If you could eventually tell me how, how much two scimitars would be, you know? If you've ever read those books, the Dungeons and Dragons books, the Drow Elf, he's dark, you know? Uh, Brian says he needs an axe. This is it. I'm giving you a free ad right now, my friend. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing your um, your thing correctly, but I will put you in the story later, and I will um, give you a uh, give you a shout out. And Brian needs an ASAP. <laughs> I've been watching Dexter, by the way, Brian. So you know, um, it's the first season I've gotten into it, and it's dark as fuck, and I like it. And, Anyways, not saying owning an axe and two scimitars is dark as fuck, but if I ever really, you know, the shit goes down and the aliens do show up, what do I have right now to protect me? Not much, just this hat and the silly feather. Yes, overnight. So yeah, I'm so stoked that we're getting into, uh, I, I do have a Lego lightsaber. If, um, but it doesn't light up. I'm staying alive like Betty White as long as I can to see the real lightsaber, right? I, I want the real lightsaber and I'm gonna practice against guns and everything else, but all right. <laughs> Happy almost new year. I'm stoked everyone's uh, celebrating with me. My cat is too. My cat is trying to get into the pantry, so Mr. Magoo is up to no good as well. So, all right, I guess we're gonna get into the main topic. Thank you, it is a mystical hat. This is by Lone Hawk Hat. I'll also tag them a little later uh, with the eye, matches the 1984 eye, you know. Evil Andy Warhol, it's 219 where you're at. Well, for me right now, it is 1119, so I love it. Happy New Year to you. I'm still, we're in a time paradox, right? This is what does it all mean podcast. Let's talk about it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a time par paradox. And uh, right now, the position of the, where I'm at on the world, it's still not 2022. But where you're at, it is. And just a matter of less than an hour, it will be that same time but that's where it comes to time being 
you know, um, present to the person and our own perspective on this so-called reality, you know? So evil Andy Warhol said, I'm in the future, but you're here. That's fucking romantic. That is romantically beautiful, evil Andy Warhol. So I, uh, he created this great, uh, picture of porno papyros and uh, I posted it recently. And, uh, the last episode was about porno papyros and, and how, um, at, at the end of, you know, me finally seeing them up on stage and, and, and me stopping being the groupie Cameron Crow that I was, I started to learn how to play instruments and I got obsessed with like the guitar, Jimi Hendrix, John Fushante, uh, you know, just the, the, the normal things that kids do. And I just started figuring everything out. And all the while, you know, these bands, you know, kept going. And uh, I remember like 97 is when uh, Jane's Addiction got back together and, and Flea became part of, uh, you know, Jane's Addiction. And once again, I was still in the groupie mode, okay? And now I had a job. And, you know, I remember Perry clearly saying in Irvine Meadows, don't, don't get a job, don't get a job. I had a job. So now that I had this job, being 21, not 15, I was able to just buy these crazy fucking tickets where I could be up front for every show that I wanted to. And I went ridiculous once again. And I started all the way from like San Diego. Uh, I saw them in San Diego. I, I saw Jane's Addiction in uh, Universal Amphitheater, I think two or three times on this tour, uh, including like, I think the K-Rock Acoustic Christmas and and all, I, like I was, I was back in groupie mode, full swing. Sacramento I went to. Uh, San Francisco and okay one of the craziest experiences was uh they had this show I was so deep into being Cameron Crowe that somebody just whispered in my ear hey Jane's Addiction is playing like Lucky Luciano's Mansion in Bel Air and uh you you have to go to the lab in Costa Mesa and this Italian restaurant to pick up uh you know tickets and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? No way. I know everything about Jane's Addiction. I'm online. I know everything. So what do I do? I go down to the lab and I uh, I go into this Italian restaurant and I, I, I just walk up to the people and I go, hey, um, I need Jane's Addiction tickets. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Do you want to eat here or not? We're not open till like three if you want to make some reservations. And I go, oh, and I start walking out the door and then all of a sudden some girl with like tattoos, she just goes, hey, how many do you need? And I was like, holy shit, what? And I'm like, I need, I think I said I need three. And I think they were like 50 to $75 each or whatever. And she's like, this is the amount, give it to me. And I'm like, and she's like, wait outside. This just feels like a scam altogether, right? Feels like a scam. And uh, boom, she comes out with these coasters. And I've actually posted them on this this uh, site before. They're coasters, and they don't look like tickets at all. And they basically just tell you to show up at this parking lot and like, I think uh, next to UCLA or something like that. There, some some college. And I was like, this is bullshit. I just gave this lady all this money for this, but whatever. I'm I'm in. I'm in. And I clearly remember going to this place this random parking lot with like other, like maybe three, 300 other people. And we're all standing around looking at each other. Like, 
are we being scammed right now? Like, is this a big scam? There's nobody there, nobody telling us what to do, and it's just weird as fuck. And then all of a sudden, these white, like, buses show up out of nowhere in this parking lot. Like, the mafia fucking pull up, they look at us, and they're like, everybody in. And they start treating us like we're, like royalty and I'm like what the hell is going on this is scary like what if this is what if the, you know you wouldn't do this today because we have trafficking and this is not you wouldn't do this this was 1997 I do believe and boom we get into these white vans they start ushering us around uh Bel Air and they're just going so fast that like they they can't like they won't let us see where we're going and then boom finally we're at Lucky Luciano's mansion like where the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers recorded like uh, Blood Sugar and, and the, the, the movie Funky Monks was like there and I was obsessed, I was obsessed with that. So all of a sudden I'm walking through and I'm like, holy shit, I think this is this is that mansion. And then they we get out of this van. They have these red velvet ropes and, and red carpet and it, and it goes all through Lucky Luciano's house. And I don't know this is this person's house, but I know this is fucking crazy. And then it goes to the backyard. The backyard opens up there's like maybe a thousand people there or less and these tents and a stage and free wine and uh, me my friend Sean and and uh Mike and we just we get in there I'm like so crazy that I'm like I've got a camera with me I'm ready I think I had a tape recorder I'm ready and I'm 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 fucking Cameron Crowe again I'm 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 back on my game this is it and uh then as I'm on my game, here comes Perry Farrell and he's just got these really big crazy like things coming out of like these braids that are just like fucking going every which way. He's got this bottle of wine and this glass of wine and he just walks directly up to me and Sean, he's like, how's it going? I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. I literally drop fucking recorder, falls to the ground. And I'm like, uh, Perry doesn't even really care or notice I don't think and I picked it up and I put it back in my pocket and then he just wandered off and I was like holy shit that was amazing and then you know once again he disappeared for a while uh then Jane's Addiction jumped up on stage and it was just amazing and the wine was free and the shuttling was free and everything was just crazy it was one of these nights that you couldn't believe like and then all of a sudden like it was over again and uh i remember uh having to go back through the house and the show just being epic and here's another side story i don't know if this is true i hope if anyone can verify this this would be the best but i heard val kilmer was there actually dressed as like the in english professor in the saint and he was up on stage because he didn't want to be recognized and he was sitting on dave uh, Navar you know, Navarro's like amp like the whole time and I th I have a picture and it looks sure shit like him and this could be all rumors I don't know but it just seemed like LA and like shows like that like private parties that's where those people are and I'm pretty sure Val was there and to have gone to a concert where Iceman was is just fucking epic and and they James was so great with Flea and, and the combination with Flea and, uh, you know, Steve Perkins and Dave, they already had that chemistry. It was just fucking, it was amazing. And when I'm leaving, we're ushered back through the house and uh, all of a sudden I see um, these, these velvet ropes and I've told the story before, uh, Rick Rubin is in this like either Escalator or Tahoe 
SUV looking thing and uh, so is Anthony Kiedis and they're just trying to be all incognito and I spot them right away and I look at my friend little Sean and I go little Sean there's there's you know Anthony and and he goes where and then he just walks right up to the Escalade looks in and then he looks right back at me like where and, and I just look at him like dude that's them and then I have to walk up to Rick Rubin and 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 you know Anthony Keyes and pull him away and I actually looked at them and I said I'm sorry you guys this is my friend and 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 then it dawned on him like holy shit that's them but sometimes you know you're so starstruck with people you don't you know you're just you can't believe it's really them you know and I think that's what was happening to my friend and I pulled him away they all laughed and then we're ushered back in these vans back into um back to the parking lot in the, the college and that was over and another Jane story quickly before we start getting into you know why what it all meant was I remember I went to the Roxy too and this this whole thing was going down and K-Rock K-Rock had this whole contest where you like 500 people won and they could see him at the Roxy and I was like fuck this I'm gonna go I went down to the Roxy I'm like just waiting around to find scalpers swear to god uh, Giovanni Ravisi is walking by and he's acting very strange. He's got this camera. He's trying to be all just L.A. And I look at him and, I, and I'm a big friends. I was into friends at that time. And I look at him like, bro, I and I was skateboarding. And uh, I think he was trying to like just take a picture of the Roxy. And I walked up to him and I go, man, you look really familiar. You look really familiar. And I'm like, did you grow up in Irvine, like Orange County? He's like, nope. And this is where he was kind of like condescending. And I'm like, I've seen your face, man. I've seen your face. And then, and like, instead of being like, you know, well, I'm on fucking Friends and I'm a superstar. He was just kind of like, you're going to have to keep guessing. And then I just gave up. You know, I'm like, do you know so-and-so? And then he didn't. I'm like, all right, bro. And then, then I remember, as this was happening, I'm hanging out with Giovanni Ravisi. Then... Jane's Addiction is in a, like, lowered Impala, and they had just probably done, like, sound check, and they came around the corner, and I'm Cameron Crowe, and, and I look at Perry, and I, I forget who's driving, but it looks like all of them, and they just start taking down off the street, and I look at Giovanni Ravisi, and I'm like, I'm out of here. I just start skating down the street as fast as I can after Jane's Addiction, like, you know, I'm a... 15 year old girl watching the Rolling Stones for the first time and it's 1968 or 5 so yeah and then I didn't have tickets to the show so what do I do I, I, I and I've seen this show a lot I, I come back and I've got like I don't know two three hundred dollars in my pocket and I go up to a scalper and I go dude give me like they've been playing for 45 minutes I know it's over what are you gonna do with that ticket he finally hands me like uh the ticket for 250 bucks or something like that, or 150, whatever it is, I don't care. I go up to the front of the Roxy, my laminate and the ticket don't match. I'm crying because I've like now fucking not, I'm not gonna get in. But luckily enough, the owner of the Roxy was super nice and he, he could just tell that I was like a super fan and he knew it was almost over and he walked up, he's like, what's the problem? And I told him, I'm like, I won this from K-Rock, man. And, he, and they, they don't match, this isn't my problem. And he clearly just said, go. And he let me in. And uh, I got to see like two or three songs of like Jane's Addiction in the Roxy. And it was just a sweat box of funk. And it was awesome. It felt like, you know, it just felt raw, felt primal, better than Lollapalooza, better than, you know, it was just awesome. And, uh, and then I knew that like 
the future of Porno for Pyros was definitely in jeopardy. And, um, and then I think I saw them, I don't know, I saw Jane's plenty more times. And the point of it is, then their music came, and then it left, and then here we are as these civilians, these people that are left with these dreams of like, fuck, what do we do? You know, and so me, instead of being just like a fan and buying tickets, I thought as I grew older, the only way that I could continue doing this type of thing and watching concerts is, is trying to, you know, be up there with those people, whether it be playing guitar or just a harmonica or, or whatever, you know? And so uh, I think that the future of music and the future of the world is just unwritten. And I think that we write it as it comes and I see a lot of people you know kind of talking negatively about Perry Farrell these days and you know he's not what he used to be you know and and this and that and I think that's random because you know I don't want to be who I used to be I don't ever want to be the person that I was in the 80s or the 90s or even the 2000s I want to keep evolving and I think that uh, that Perry Farrell is such a creative soul. You know, he was in charge of Lollapalooza, in charge of Jane's Addiction and Porno for Pirates. He's such a creative, and, and now he's doing uh, Kind Heaven Orchestra. And he's just the guy, by the time we're, we're hip to what he's doing, he's already moved on to like three more projects, you know? And he's supposed to open some like awesome thing in Las Vegas, but COVID happened. And I, I hope once we get back on track, he does that. Like, I, I think they gave him money to just open up like a, a kind heaven uh basically strip type part of vegas and with entertainers and music and holy shit i would i would if it was like a hotel i would get a fucking room there i want to live there and but the point of it, it means is like what does it all mean in the creative process what you know to me once again perry peter steven martin you know all these people Mike Watt, like all these Les Claypool, all these people, they just went out there and they did it, not knowing if they were going to succeed, but not being afraid to fall. And they just did it. And they didn't care if you liked it or not. And I think that's kind of like how you have to be as an artist. You have to go out there and, and piss people off and, and, and make people take a hold of what you're doing, you know, and then they can make a decision if they like it or they don't. And so what does it all mean in the, in the multiverse? You know, what does, what does James Perry and Lollapalooza mean all in the multiverse? I, I kind of think it means, like I said, create your own path, don't be afraid. And if these concerts, if, if somebody would have squashed Perry's dream at a young age and like, you know, said, hey, don't, don't be creative. Fuck, I would be working at a gas station or working, not like that's bad, but I, you know, or who knows, I, I it, being creative to me is everything and questioning things is always the best thing to do. And that's why I have this podcast. I'm questioning everything. And, and was that inspired by just listening to then she did or obvious or, you know, uh, packing 25, who knows the point of it is, you know, people creating their art historically whether it be da vinci whether it be einstein whoever these people create knowing that they can be objectified and i think what the most impressive thing is is they keep going no matter what 
even when they have been, even when people are telling them, don't believe in aliens, don't, don't do this, don't, don't put, you know, an ancient figure on your album cover because it represents something evil, you know, I feel that creating art should have no limits and it should spread like the pandemic. And I feel that the more artists that we have in the world, the more people that we have rebel. Uh, you know, Bob Marley once said, you know, they asked him, you know, like, are you rebelling? He's like, what am I rebelling against what? You know, and that's the question. What are we fucking rebelling against? And you got to ask yourself as I wear this 1984 shirt, there's tons of things to, to rebel against, you know, tons of things. You know, everybody's celebrating. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off topic just a, a bit, right? Everyone's celebrating the fact that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is gotten, you know, she'll probably get like 40 years. I'm going to be, in, I'm going to be like this, right? The shitty thing is Epstein didn't get anything because he got killed, okay? And she's not going to get killed because she's taking his fall. And to me, that's once again, you could be a Democrat, you can be a Republican, but here we go, here are the lines being being crossed, and, and when you see, you know, certain people like our old fear, and then you see even Bill Clinton, both sides, all together with certain people, you start to realize that there really isn't a Democrat or Republican party, it's a money party. And when you start to realize that, going back to Jane's addiction, it's the 1%, right? We're all the 1%. And when you realize that Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell is just going to be locked up, like fucking to show people, hey, this, she did a bad thing. Oh no, not Clinton, not the fair, you know, the fair, not, uh, not the, the people that are in charge. They can't go down, not Prince albert or whatever the fuck his name is andrew he can't go down and just think about that the queen had to take a look and go holy shit holy shit my this person in royalty is hooking up with creepy people on a, a creepy sex island okay now this is all making you know me ponder the multiverse and the more that we stay away from creepy shit like that and actually just sit down and try to create art, create Lollapalooza, you know, what is Lollapalooza now? When I saw it, when I was the first five Lollapaloozas I went to, they were fucking amazing. I saw them all at, uh, at uh, most of them at Irvine Meadows, I think it, in, in Dominguez Hills. And uh, they were just different each year. The Jim, Ro Jim Rose Circus Side Show was just insane. I remember this guy lifting shit off his nuts. I remember just this dude with all these piercings that were like, the, it, it was so insane and just different things and different cultures and different experiences. And now that's translated into the world, kind of like how the Beatles did. I said that before, give peace a chance. It, this is what Lollapalooza's turned into. And ironically, I think even Paul McCartney has played Lollapalooza. And to me, that's insane because it, it transcends once again universal boundaries and it used to be this traveling thing and now it's just all over the world and the first five years were amazing i think perry sold it after that i didn't go after that i stopped going then he came back and i think i went uh probably in 2009 i, I don't even know maybe no maybe 2010 
and it was in the Chicago area and it was just a whole different thing. Like, yes, it was radical in the 90s, but seeing it like now, it had just turned into this like whole different experience where like the, the kids were involved and like there was like this rave tent, this EMD shit, people raving, 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 raving. And then, you know, then I think there was like Black Sabbath over here playing and then you had the Black Keys over here and then, you know, it was just crazy. And uh, then I remember uh, out of nowhere, this is how just rad shit was. They, they announced, oh yeah, Jane's Addiction is playing at some club and you just have to go buy tickets. I went and bought the tickets and it was an after party after Lollapalooza, I think. And we, we went to that and, and Modest Mouse opened and it was the best fucking shit in all of Lollapalooza right there seeing Jane's once again just crushing and, and I remember Dave just no problem no problem I brought the wrong date I brought the wrong date to that that show <laughs> she got all drunk and she didn't understand that moshing and pushing each other was a form of like love and then it turned into a fight this is real and this chick like starts to fight with this other guy this other guy looks at me I look at him like oh shit now I gotta fight and I think I it just got bad and then I remember Dave looking over just disappointed and I felt like an idiot and then I looked at her and I thought this is the wrong girl to be with <laughs> anyways the point of it is never stop creating whether it be you know music whether it be skateboarding whether it be legos whatever it is don't ever stop creating especially during the pandemic still because look we're going to be locked down again it looks like and even if we're not we're still just on the social networking staying away from people type deal and it's contagious and uh i just hope that in 2022 we're able to create and express without these phones so much and you know, things can change a little bit and, uh, whatever changes, I'm ready. So let me read some of these comments, guys. <clears throat> if you're evil, evil, and if you're still, if you're still there, okay, the hat's driving me fucking crazy, guys. Okay. So let me see. I'm going to read. I always read the Evil Annie said, the 90s were a simpler time, I know, right? And we thought it was so radical. Uh, we, you know, we had Desert Storm and, and all this crazy shit, and they just advertised, like, this war, like, right in front of us. I just remember it coming into the, the, the uh, coming into any room that had a TV, and there was just, like, these constant barrages of this green screen of just missiles shooting and killing people. And I just, that was the 90s for me. And I was young, I was 15. And I just remember being kind of hypnotized to the war. I would just stare at the TV and stare at the, the bombings and the killing. And it's almost a form of like MK Ultra, where they were like programming us all like propaganda. And you know, you have all this gung-ho American shit, Top Gun, uh, Red Dawn, all this, this crap where you get, can get caught up into it. And then all of a sudden you have you know, people like Henry Rollins and people like Jello Biafra and all these people just coming out of left field and, and Trent Reznor and 
Susie and just all these people that are like trying to make the world a better fucking place. And that's the things that balance out the world, I believe, is, is the is the artists and uh, and the art. Not so much, you know, I think actors are great. Don't get me wrong. I saw that Don't Look Up with Leonardo DiCaprio. He's fucking genius. That's acting. But sometimes, you know, some of these movies that they're pushing out, people just reading cue cards. There's no emotional attachment to it. It doesn't mean a goddamn thing to me. You know, a good musician will have emotional attachment. And Perry Farrell, Peter Stefano, all these people, even even Steve Perkins has this. Dave, they they have this presence to them. He flee this this presence of like, you know, you can play your you can play your instrument and you can sit there and, and just play the shit, go through the motions. But until you get spiritually and physically attached to who you are and to what you're doing, it's really just doing nothing at all. And I think observing, seeing Perry and, and, and all these people being so raw and not and, and like Lush, the band Lush, when the first time I saw them, I was blown away. They were just raw and they were young and they weren't afraid. And you know that they were because they're just humans. And the point is the creation of the creation of, of music, creation of art, the creation of Legos, the creation of a melody, the creation of a book, creation of a poem. It's all relevant into what we're doing. And uh, I like all my friends that are like showing me how many books that they're, they're you know, reading. My friend Victoria Namcom, she read 70 books and fuck, I'm up to like seven books this year. And one of my deals is I want to read a lot more books. And my friend Carrie read like 25. So I want to keep up with them. Cause you know, reading's the best. I, I love watching movies and, and, and TV and, and all that, but I also like to read because it, it, it uh, lets you use your imagination. And I think that's what Lollapalooza did too as a kid, inspired imagination towards a whole bunch of Generation X type people. And I saw something today that said, you know, uh, how it used to be was like, parents used to be always like pissed off and the kids were always, you know, kind of like happy and just doing their own thing, which is like us as, as youth. But then as the youth grew, grew up, you know, we just stopped being, you know, as we're adults, we're no longer miserable. We're just like, well, we're here. Fuck it. Let's build Legos. Let's play video games. Let's not be like what the 50s and 60s fathers were, just these worry warts of just shit. It's different times. And even people with kids, you know, my friend Damien has kids and they collect Legos and, and they get to, they get to, instead of me, I do Legos with me and the cats. He does it with him and his kids. And I think everyone's own individual experience is amazing. And, um, let me read some more. <clears throat> Raves. Oh shit. That Enet festival was a rave. Let's be honest. Somebody got at me and said they were at the Enet festival. Enet Festival is definitely a rave, no doubt about it. I went to several raves in the 90s. Grape Ape was fucking amazing. Uh, I went to tons. I went to a rave one time where it had uh, the Emerald City from The Wizard of Oz. And that's how random these raves were in the 90s. Like, I would literally have, uh, you know, 
I would have the Emerald City background while people are, are doing ecstasy and mushrooms and there's a skateboarding ramp with kids doing, you know, like half, half, you know, on a half pipe and it's fucking four in the morning, you know, and my friend Mike Otto is just raving and, and we used to take, we took Kung Fu and this is the coolest shit. I didn't know how to dance, right? And I mean, Tribe kind of taught me how to dance at one of the shows, but really dancing. My friend Mike Otto looks at me, he's all, bro, we're doing Kung Fu. And we had all these different, like, we had like this dragon stance, like this form where like you had to like do these motions. And he's just like, watch this. And then he starts dancing and he's just like, boom. And he starts doing these, these like, these kung fu moves and then he starts to do like this dragon stance like right in the middle of the whole dance floor and people are like what the fuck it was amazing when i started copying him and then we looked like freaks and it was awesome and then the sun comes up and you're like holy fuck i have to go home and i remember i had to sit in the car and wait till the driver could go home so yeah raves were awesome it was so much fun. Yes, they were in a abandoned warehouse. There was one at Irvine Meadows, uh, apparently the place where Lollapalooza was held, the first, you know, couple. And uh, I, I told the story before. It's called Grape Ape 1 or 2. And it was filled with gang members. And it was totally, like, underground. They rented out Irvine Meadows. We're all partying at Irvine Meadows. All of a sudden, there's gunshots. And uh, fucking the SWAT team, Irvine SWAT team rolls in. And we're just all partying and raving and raving and raving and raving. And the cops just come, you gotta leave, you gotta leave. And we're like, what? Still raving. And then we get kicked out of the rave and we go out into the parking lot of, of Irvine Meadows. And there are literally like trash cans on fire, cars on fire. It's like full fucking riot status. And like, you didn't hear about the news because this isn't shit that you're going to hear about in Irvine. Because Irvine is a safe city. So... We got to podcast together. I've seen some epic East Coasters. I'm down, Evil Andy. I'm down whenever you want, man. Straight up. I'm down whenever you want. Uh, DM me later and we'll talk about it. You know? East Coast has never has the famous show up. Probably NYC. I'm listening to some I'm listening to some some East Coast right now, right? We got tribe going. I went to the East Coast to see Tribe and Beastie Boys. Porn for Fire was, was there, coincidentally. But yeah. And I told the story on the, on the on the last episode. So my friend Mike, I'm backstage with, with Porn for Pyros. He pushes me to go up to talk to Perry Farrell, right? And I'm like, I do it because he did it. Then we're at the Tibetan Freedom concert. I see Q-Tip and I say, dude, there's the dude that you love more than anything. Go up to him. And he goes, no, I won't do it. He wouldn't do it. So I ran up to Q-Tip and I, I looked at him and I go, excuse me, uh, Mr. Tip? And he looked at me and he goes, yeah? And I go, oh, I'm just a huge fan, you know, fan. My friend over there loves you. And then Q-Tip turned to my friend Mike and like waved. And then I walked back to, to, uh, to Mike. But the point is he made me go and I did. And that's how I got to hang out with Perry. And when I tried to push him towards, you know, his person that he loved, he didn't go. And he, he coincidentally is the dude that um, that I um, talked about on the first season. And eventually, maybe I'll try to get us back together. But anyways, 
Brian's getting into some crazy conspiracy shit. We're getting into the last like nine, eight minutes of uh, of um, the year. You know, uh, I, I think I played this song earlier, but once we get closer, I'm going to be playing other stuff. But uh, I I happen to go to see Primus and Mr. Bungle up in uh, San Francisco. I want to say in '92 or '93. I was 15 or something, and I drove up there with my friend Allison and, and Matt Hardwick and and. Uh, I think Chris Hackett, we got this little van and we drove all the way the fuck up to San Francisco from Orange County, 15 years old. I told my mom I was going, couldn't stop me. And, and I went up there and then we saw the show, Mr. Bungle and, and Mike Patton destroyed the Santa Claus because it was New Year's Eve. There was a Santa Claus, remote control Santa Claus. He, he destroyed it. Somebody like hit him. Mike Patton, Mike Patton got hit in the face with the shoe. And then he, he, uh, he took the shoe and, and he like pulled out, you know, he pissed in the shoe and he held it up like it was a golden chalice and then he drank it. I witnessed this and then he threw the shoe back into the, to the crowd and, and, and it was just, this is what happened in the 90s. The 90s were different, you know, the 90s were a different type place. And I remember Primus just coming on at like two or three o'clock in the morning. They did the countdown. So they were playing, I'm pretty sure they were playing this song, Constantinople, right when it was like, you know, Hey Skinny Constantinople during the fucking deal. And then the countdown stopped and they just, these balloons came down, everybody started hugging. And it was just, it was awesome. It was the 90s, you know? And, uh, they played till fucking four in the morning, I think. And then we were so just out of it and partied out and just, you know, then we wandered the streets, right? And I couldn't find the car. This was all real. I couldn't, we couldn't find the car. We're from Orange County. We didn't know where we parked. And then we wandered the streets of San Francisco and it's now raining. It's pissing down rain. And uh, I think it was 92, 93. And it's pissing down rain, four o'clock in the morning. We're wet dogs. My friend Allison's really skinny. I feel like she's gonna die. I go to a hotel and I'm like, dude, come on, you gotta give us some fucking, you gotta give us like these towels. And they're like, get out of here, you homeless people. Get out of here. And I was like, oh. And then we found like one of these like alcove deals, right? And we sat in the alcove and we fucking ho hover together. And at that point, uh, I think me and Chris Hackett got in a fight because he was gonna go rent a hotel. Either way, somehow I found the, the I found the band, and a week before, the keys got, they got locked out, and my friend Matt Hardwick knew how to break into the van, and Chris went to rent a hotel, I went back to the van with Allison and Matt, and we broke into the van, and right before hail came down, boom, we get into the van, and we all stripped naked, and we all huddled, because it was a hypothermic situation. But what you do for music, right? What you do for music. What you do for music and creation. We could have just stayed at home that night, you know? But let's be honest, I'm fucking stoked that it's 2021 and here there's only five more minutes left. This is some crazy shit, guys. I'm gonna keep reading your comments until then. Uh,
Uh, see, Evil Annie Worrell said, I live a similar life to you, but on a completely different coaster. And, and that's the point. That's the kind of like the point of the show. Like, we're, we all think that we're living these different lives. And, and the older I get, the, the less people that I know that are my age. And, and not that I necessarily need to find people my age, but when you find things that you have in common, like Legos and Porno for Pyros and Lollapalooza and these experiences that you have, it's more sometimes interesting to, to have these conversations and, and have other people plug in parts that you forgot. You know, like, remember when Ice-T was hanging out with Susie? No, I don't fucking remember that. But when you see somebody that, that you haven't seen and, and you don't know and, and they saw that, like, I have a new uh, friend that I met on here. She said that she saw Jane's or Pornos at the Shoreline Amphitheater show. Since I collected the bootlegs, I know exactly what date that was. Kind of like, uh, you know, the Grateful Dead bootlegs. You start to know the dates of the shows and the experiences. And, and that's what concerts and... Lollapalooza and life all have in common so once all this pandemic shit's over with start going out to support your bands start supporting you know the shit that's going on out there you know have a good time we need to get back together with one another you know I miss seeing you guys that's why I do this stupid fucking podcast that's why I'm here to hang out with Brian to hang out with evil Andy Warhol because I feel that like I can't do it in a bar I can't do it anywhere else everything's being shut down and I kind of want the podcast to end because that will mean that I'm busy doing other things but until those other things happen what can I do what can I do, you know, so, uh, Brian said, he sushed a half pipe with Chet Thomas at a rave thing in the 90s, that's fucking crazy, so that's what I'm talking about, right, I haven't heard the name Chet Thomas in a very long time, you know, and just, you plugged a little piece of my brain back in, two minute countdown, and, uh, uh, I skated with um, Eric Costin at the Huntington Beach uh, skate park one time. He was so just fucking cool. This is my skate story. Uh, Ray Barbie was in in uh, Irvine by Carl's Jr. hanging out with some people, and I'm just trying to become a pro. And uh, I kick flip these like three stairs, you know. And then I I came around and I like fucking did some old school boneless and. Uh, and then I pull up and I see it's Ray Barbie and he looked at me he's like that was really good and I was like fucking Ray Barbie and that's the thing like when people are really good they're not going to put you down like Eric Costin was never a dick you know Ray Barbie is really nice and inspiring um like I said Perry Peter Peter Stefano, he's fucking all these people are really nice Mike Watt they're you get to know people we're all the same that's the whole point we're all the same we got we got a one minute countdown. I don't even know how the fuck I'm gonna do this because I don't know seconds. How do I do seconds of life? It's, we're getting there. Oh, here we go. I gotta, I got it here. Let's see. Let's see. We're getting there. I guess San Francisco's the same, right? Give me the clock. Give me the clock. Okay, we're getting close. I see it. We're getting close. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. 
right about Let's see if this works. Happy, happy New Year. A very, very happy New Year. I'll be back. chick later tomorrow she's working she's a uh, one of those essential worker like myself some people gotta work happy freaking new year's everybody happy freaking new year's from what does it all mean podcast this has been so much fun doing this three three days of podcasts i told you the feather wouldn't last nothing ever does but the friendships that we, you know, build here in this little cyber world with the cats and the cats sleeping there and with you guys, it's fucking, it's priceless. And uh, I'm stoked to, to get to hang out with you all, Brian, Peter, Evil Andy, Julia, everybody, everybody. I've only got a few minutes left, so I'm so stoked that we got to do this. And look, I got to spend this with you guys. And you guys are here with me. That is fucking amazing. Happy New Year. Robert, happy New Year. I once auditioned for a fusion trio. The drummer shredded. His other project was... The piece from Porno Virus, he stopped focusing on music to become an astronomer. Exactly. Like, those are some of the coolest stories when you hear, you hear, like, you know, 
like the drummer from so and so is now a, a scientist or whatever like it's the fucking best okay guys okay i don't have much time left i really don't let me see let me see if i can kick this cat off it's gonna give me a can i have the seat back it's gonna give me a it's gonna give me a signature or a, a time to end soon but i'm gonna end this on a creative note and since this is all about you know Lollapalooza and